Hi, I'm Dr. Jan Jaffer, and this is God Teeth. Hi, so I'm here with Dr. Nur Jaffer, uh, who also happens to be my father. I've uh, been a dentist for 42 years and started our original Ranchlands Dental Clinic in 1981. Uh, today we're going to be discussing how to t- take care of your kids' teeth. So thanks for coming in today. Thank you. So when we start to look at kids' teeth, when should kids be coming into the office? What's the ideal time for a kid to be seen for their first appointment? Well, the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry recommends around the age of one year. Uh, The way they uh, came to that is they would like to see the child six months after the first tooth erupts, which is usually around six months of age. So the first year of life, about their first birthday, is the ideal time. Okay, so if we're seeing somebody in their first year, I mean, what could we expect to happen at that first appointment? It seems, you know, almost a little young. I mean, will the kid even sit in the chair? What, what What's going on at that first appointment that makes it important to see them that early on in life? That's a good question. You're not looking at too much in terms of clinical findings because it's usually by the age of two and a half before they have all 20 of their baby or primary teeth. But there is a lot that we can see at six months of age in terms of growth of the jaw bones, the tongue position, whether the child is developing a a thumb sucking or a finger digit habit. But more than that, what it is, that first visit in our offices, we call it the happy visit. And the idea there is to have this little child come in who's only a year or just over a year old and understand that this is a caring place where people are there to help them get, you know, look after their teeth and and they're just nice people and they're going to be friendly and they're going to make you understand what everything is. So the happy visit traditionally is where sometimes the dentist doesn't even see the child for a while until they've been in the office already. The assistant will have them come into the operatory, take a tour around the office, First of all, see where all the goodies and the toys are, and then they get into the chair and they learn how to press the buttons to take the chair up and down and play with the light. And they hold a little dental mirror and they fog it up and look at their eyes in it. And it's just a happy kind of a way of, oh, this is what the dentist's office looks like. The dentist then comes in, has a little chat with the little kid, tells them why they're gonna wear gloves or masks, also explains to them that they're only gonna have a little peek in their mouth and see how their new teeth are coming in. And that's the time when the dentist, without using any instruments usually, apart from maybe a mirror, just has a quick look in the mouth and is looking for growth patterns and tongue position and tooth eruption patterns, how well the teeth are coming in. And that, that is a typical first visit. And it should end with a very happy note where the dentist then tells the parents if there's any issues with the child and, uh, and the child then gets a little sticker or a little toy for being such a good, good little patient. And that is the end of their first visit. But it does create that, that kind of relationship, not just with the family, but with the child itself and the people around him. So if the child also comes in at one year, I mean, obviously there's got to be some conversations with the parents that are happening as to what the parents should do. Because I think, you know, a lot of that first visit is actually, you know, making it fun for the child, but really educating the parent on on what's important now that their kids are starting to have teeth. So what kind of education are we giving the parents to make sure that they're able to take care of the kids' teeth? Absolutely. And that is one of the major parts of that visit. So Quite often, the child uh, at that age is not going to sit and listen 
or stay still. So usually the assistant may escort the child to the goodie box or the treasure chest to pick their present. And that gives the dentist a chance to, to talk to the parent about what he saw in the child's mouth. Now, let's, let's hope that they didn't see any cavities. Not to say that at age one there is not possibility. Sometimes you do see decay and, and cavities even at that early an age in the first teeth that come through. So here is a chance where even if there aren't any cavities, it's a chance for the patient the, the, or the parent rather to be educated by the dentist on how to avoid future problems. And dental caries or cavities as we call them is one of the most prevalent, in fact, the World Health Organization puts it as the number one infectious disease in the world. Everybody in the world seems to have it. And it is totally preventable. So that is where it is the doctor or the dentist's responsibility to explain to the parent how to prevent it. So as we look at that appointment, I mean, what can the parents actually do to take care of the teeth to help prevent against cavities or, or some of the problems, like even some growth patterns that, that we could see? So cavities, or dental caries as we call it, is caused by a combination of certain factors, including bacteria in your mouth, frequent snacking, sipping sugary drinks, and not cleaning your teeth well. In fact, with proper brushing and flossing just once a day and cutting out sugary snacks and drinks, will stop cavities from starting altogether. So it's very free, very often the frequency of eating sugary snacks that creates the acid environment in the mouth that'll start the cavity starting. So now, practically what you have to tell the parent is, please make sure that your child's snacks are not sugary. And you give them examples like, you know, fruits and vegetables and, and, and crackers and cheese and nuts. These are non-sugary snacks that are healthy in most part. And those are the kind of snacks they would be encouraging the child to have. If the child is having a dessert after their meal, that is not such a big deal because there is a lot of saliva and chewing going on when they're having their dessert. It does neutralize some of the acids. But ideally, you should, you should try and limit the dessert to after supper time because you're then going to brush and clean the child's teeth before bedtime. Following just simple ideas like that will drastically cut down, if not eliminate cavities, which means if the child is given some goodies during the day, grandparents are the worst for that. I know that being a grandparent, you're giving cookies and candies to the kids. The parents should say, great, you've got some goodies. You know the rule, keep it till after supper time, then you can have your goodies and we'll make sure we brush and clean your teeth really well before you go to bed. And that those simple tips given to the parents can actually create a whole childhood uh, period of no cavities at all. So eating healthy without sugar is one. And then did you go over, I mean, the brushing and the flossing so and how important? This or... is what we do is usually in the dental office when I'm there and there is this one or one and a half year old child, I will ask the parents, do you go in and brush their teeth? And a lot of the time they say yes. They said, but a lot of parents will tell them it's difficult to keep a one-year-old or a one-and-a-half-year-old steady with their mouth open long enough for you to get the brush around all the teeth that are there. So I usually give them some practical tips, which is hard to do here because I don't have a child with me. But I will tell parents the easiest way to do this is when you have a little child, is try not to brush their teeth standing in front of them. 
And people don't seem to realize this, but once I tell them that, it makes sense. Because if you're standing in front of a child with a toothbrush, and you're trying to go into their mouth to brush their teeth, the child will move away, move sideways, run away, and you'll never get it done. So a very simple tip that I give parents is have the child facing away from you so they're looking forward, but the back of their head is cradled in your tummy. Literally, the back of their head is against your belly button. Simple technique then is if you're right-handed, you have the child's brush in your right hand, you put your palm of your left hand under the child's chin, the thumb on the chin, and you push down on the chin, and it's a reflex. The child opens their mouth. And you tell the child to look up at you, and now you have as clear an access to the mouth as most dentists have when they're working on your teeth. And it doesn't take you much time with your toothbrush, without any toothpaste because you want to see where you're going, just a wet brush, go around the outsides of the teeth, the insides of the teeth, the chewing surfaces of the teeth, brush the tongue quickly to remove bacteria, few seconds and you're done. But I make it clear that you let the child go first with the toothbrush themselves with just a pea-sized amount of fluoride toothpaste, and I can go into that later why I do want a little bit of fluoride in the paste, but just a pea-sized amount of fluoridated toothpaste, let them brush their own teeth, and then you do this check that I explained with the child head in your belly. Okay. So, I mean, why don't we have that conversation? So obviously you want the kid to be brushing their teeth twice a day like, a, like an adult would be. Is that the same? That is the same, but you are really need to check them at bedtime. If they do it on their own in the morning and they remember how you did it at night, they'll do a decent job on their own. So giving them some autonomy to do it themselves in the morning, as yes. well as, you know, following up with them. Okay. And so then the second time you're wanting to check, but you did just mention that, you know, when do we start using toothpaste with kids and when do we start using fluoridated toothpaste with kids? Good question. Ideally, you don't want to be using toothpaste on very young kids because they swallow a lot of it and you don't want them swallowing a lot of toothpaste if it's fluoridated. So initially, I would say in the first year, a non-fluoridated toothpaste is better. And again, a very tiny amount just for the flavor. Uh, it has a bit of abrasive, so that helps. I would say by the time they're one or one and a half, you can use fluoridated toothpaste. Now, the reason being is that in Calgary, we do not have fluoridation in the water. Otherwise, we wouldn't need to do that. But again, why I'm so keen on the nighttime brushing is that at night, when the child goes to bed, it has been shown that the salivary flow decreases. There's less buffering or alkaline action of the saliva in the child's mouth. So if you leave any plaque in their mouth, uh, it's more likely to cause the acid and the cavity. So it's that nighttime brushing is very crucial that the parent checks. And so... You know, as as we go through that, so now we've I think we've we've hit some good points, and it's probably good to summarize is that you'd really want to make sure that the kids are brushing their teeth twice a day, but you are helping them in the evenings, and and some fluoridated toothpaste after the age of one, one and a half, when you can make sure that they're spitting versus swallowing the toothpaste is really important. Um, so we do see, you know, kids sometimes coming in and they've got their favorite blanket in their mouth or they've got their thumb in their mouth and, and it's not something that they're willing to let go. I mean, are there concerns with that and are there any tips and tricks to get them out of something like that? Yes, so if they're, you know, if they're sucking their thumb or their digit quite, quite uh, forcefully and you can see their cheeks kind of uh, come into their mouth when they're causing the suction, there's enough evidence and, and, and studies to show it will narrow the upper jaw. 
And when the upper jaw narrows, if you think of it more like a rubber band, if you squeeze the size of the rubber band, the front of the rubber band goes forward. Same thing happens with a lot of these little children. If they're sucking a lot, their arches narrow, their top teeth tend to protrude, and they have this little Bugs Bunny-like uh, look in their teeth. Now, it's been shown that if they give up their, their digit habit by the time they're four and a half to five, five and a half before the primary teeth, permanent teeth start coming in at six, a lot of that jaw constriction will resolve by and large, not all of it. However, we find that if they are continuing to do it after age four and a half, five, there is a way the parents can intervene in what we call a positive reinforcement technique where you're not you're not doing stuff like putting horrible stuff, bad tasting stuff on their thumb and forcing them to give it up, but rather you're trying to give them an incentive and encouragement to give it up on their own. And one really good resource that we found, and you can get it at Indigo or Amazon, there's a book called David Decides. It's a tiny little book, it's only a couple of dollars. And it takes you through these steps of positive reinforcement where every time the child doesn't use their digit for a night, they get a little star or a little sticker on a page. And eventually when they get to 21 days or three weeks, which seems to be the magic number, they give it up. And, and I've used it on a lot of my patients and a lot of my parents and the way that they read the book with the parents and it's a nice story and they follow how David finally, uh, and it's not the child fighting it or the parent fighting the child, it becomes a game between uh, little David and the monster, which happens to be the digit. And one night the monster wins, no big deal. Nobody gets told off. They just don't get a star for that night. If one night David wins and keeps the monster out of the mouth, he gets a star. And once he gets a series of 21 stars in a row, he's licked the habit. And that's psycholo psychologists have agreed that's one of the best ways of doing it. Oh, that's great, actually. That's a great great way of doing it and trying to, like you said, do it on the positive side instead of getting mad at the kid or, you know, doing stuff that, that, that changes it. So, you know, when we look at kids coming into the office, I mean, is there stuff that are, – are dentists taught to take care of kids' teeth differently? Are there, are there different things that we're doing inside the office to help make those experiences a little bit better for the kids? Yes, and then, and then of course, some – some dentists are, are better than others uh, because maybe some don't have that much exposure to kids. In our trek practices, because we're suburban and a lot of us are suburban family practices, we see a lot of kids. And, and you automatically get very good at instituting a lot of the training that you got in dental school on how to treat young children. And, you know, simple things like show before you do. So even when I pick up a mirror, and the child thinks, like, what is that? I'll hand the mirror to the child. I'll let them look at their eyes in the mirror and the fog the mirror up and say, all I'm doing is going to count your teeth with this. Or if I pick a little explorer, which people call toothpicks or whatever, because we have to probe the teeth very gently to make sure there's no cavities. It doesn't hurt, but a lot of the time I'll do it on their finger, on their thumb. Or if I'm using a little rubber cup to polish their teeth, I'll tickle their, with their little uh, palm with the thing and it tickles and they say, oh, that tickles. And they say, well, I'm going to tickle your teeth now. Now, all these kind of techniques have been taught to dentists. And if they follow those, and even when it comes to restorative dentistry, unfortunately, we do see cavities and we do sometimes have to put local anesthetic in or freezing as people call it. That can be done totally painlessly if the 
dentist takes his time, applies a lot of topical cream to numb the gum before he very, very gently uh, injects warmed anesthetic that is at, not at room temperature but at body temperature, distracts the child by rubbing on their cheeks or letting them watch a cartoon on the TV above their head or just talking them through it. There are techniques that dentists have been taught and some are and, and one our dentists I know follow them that we can actually have a child go through one or two or three fillings, get out of the chair and actually hug the dentist and say, hey, that was great. I get two presents because I had two cavities today, you know. Now, we're not saying we want to see cavities. Obviously, we want to avoid seeing any kid with cavities. But yes, there are techniques where you can avoid having to send a child to get sedated and to get to put to sleep with an anesthetic. Our preference is to build a child's confidence in the dental team so he sees them as people who are helping him make his or her teeth stronger and healthier. So one of the other things that uh, that we see a lot is how parents explain to the kids what's going to happen. And language, we feel, is very important in those situations. So can you explain to me what the parent should do before bringing the kid in and, and how to talk about a dental procedure or, or what's going to happen at the dentist's office? <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. That is one of my biggest pet peeves in life uh, when, when I'm treating a lot of children. Sometimes a parent is the worst enemy to the dentist uh, because they mean well. They mean to be supportive of the child and, and have the child ready for anything that they're going to undergo. But sometimes the language they use or what they say, based on their own experience, the dentistry hasn't always had the best reputation in how some adults have gone through dentistry as a kid but it has changed a lot and what I just explained to you is how we do dentistry now it can be totally comfortable and painless so if at the time the dentist diagnoses a cavity or some restorative work that needs to be done at the next visit I feel it's important that the dentist take a few minutes and talk to the mother or the father who's there saying when the child comes back next time I'm going to be doing this but I don't really need you to prime the child up. It should be just one of his visits that is coming in and we're gonna fix this one or two teeth because some sugar bugs have got into it. And the dentist is gonna take the sugar bugs out, clean the tooth, put some nice stuff in there to make it strong again. And you know, Dr. Jaffer is such a nice dentist, he's gonna do it gently and you don't have to worry about it. As opposed to, okay, so you're going in for a cavity and they're gonna give you a shot and the needle won't hurt too much and I know you're gonna be a brave kid. That immediately sets up the kid to thinking, oh, maybe it's going to hurt a little bit. Others, why is she telling me it's not going to hurt? So you're right. Language is very important. We would prefer the parent work with us as a team. And when we tell the parent, you don't need to prime the child up. Or often, if we find the child is fine with us, but tends to get a little bit more antsy and clingy when the mother is around, or the father is around, if we respectfully ask the parent to just, you know, go grab a coffee, they should understand that, don't worry, you leave the room, we're much better off with the child not having you in the room. And that sometimes is also important because sometimes they act up because the parents are there. Okay. Good. Yeah, so, I, and I think that those are great points. I mean, you know, looking at language, looking at, you know, what's important to say, don't use the word hurt because the first thing you think about is it's going to hurt. You know, we talk about sleepy juice and putting the teeth to sleep, right? right? I mean, and it's completely different when you're dealing with a kid because they do look at things differently and, and the way their mind goes. So, of course, there are times where 
seeing kids in a general dentist office is just not going to be ideal. And then there is the need for a referral to a pediatric dentist. You know, what what type of situations or why would that be the case that, that a kid needs to be sent to a specialist to, you know, to have some treatment done? Um, good question. And we're lucky we're in Calgary where we have excellent pediatric dentists who can help us out. Uh, where I practiced initially, I initially started working in a province where there was hardly any pediatric dentists, and I had to do everything myself, and, and I did manage. But here's a situation where you may have a child uh, who, unfortunately, the parents were not informed that putting a child to bed with a bottle of milk can cause something called bottle mouth caries, which is a debilitating disease with the milk dropping on the front teeth all night causes multitude of cavities on the front teeth that may need extraction or multiple fillings on these teeth or sometimes by the time they come to us they haven't been counseled by us on sugary snacks and avoiding the frequency of sugary snacks and the child now has you know eight nine ten cavities Um, it may be better in such a situation to have a child see a specialist who who might sedate them or put them under a general anesthetic and get all the work done in one visit quickly so that the child is not going back and forth, getting freezing uh, at a local uh, dentist's office. That may be one situation where I would refer to a pedodontist saying there's multiple uh, restorations, maybe you can do it quicker, and then child can be reintegrated back into a family practice where they always had a good experience. And, you know, that's one thing. The other reason is we sometimes do see malformations of the jaw. Even early on, there is a situation where sometimes we see the lower jaw uh, growing faster than the upper jaw, the maxilla, and it creates a reverse bite where the bottom teeth bite in front of the top teeth. Those are situations where a pedodontist or an orthodontist may want to get in a little sooner than they normally would to help keep the top teeth ahead of the bottom teeth using simple appliances. So there are situations where a dentist will say, I think you need to see a specialist. But by and large, in a suburban practice, if the child is following good home care, we should be able to look after them. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you for your time today. I mean, I think that gives us a lot of information in terms of what's going on. I mean, you know, seeing kids between one and one and a half, you know, really making it a fun visit to start, uh, making sure that kids are eating healthy and parents are helping with some of the brushing and flossing. I mean, a lot of great information for our patients to take home with them and, or, or, you know, and see how's the best way to treat the kids. So appreciate your time. Thanks yeah, so much Yeah, and for something I'd say as, a, as, a, as an end note, which is kind of funny, is that just this last couple of months, we had a dentist join our group at Ranch Nights, which is my very first practice. And I remember that I, the mother, was pregnant with this little girl when she was a patient of mine in the chair. And then when this girl was about four or five, she just loved coming to the dentist and she'd follow me around room to room as I went to see the other dentists and other patients and she just thought it was the neatest place. And now she's actually joined us as a dentist and she has two kids of her own. What it's telling you is that the dental environment can be actually quite welcoming to a child. So here we have a situation where a child's whole outlook to life was totally different given the fact that going to the dentist was fun. Yeah, good experiences, right? Starting with good experiences. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. Welcome. Thank you very much. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. If you would like more information, please check out our website at www.trekdental.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Trek Dental.